Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayer is that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message. Words kill. Words give life. Either poison or fruit. You choose. You choose. You have the ability to choose what words will flow from your mouths. Words of blessing, words of curses. Words of life, words of death. You're, you're, and here's the thing. James talks about this. Because he knows that, you know, he's been talking about how faith isn't just something that should stay in your head or your heart, but it should also go into your hands. It, sh- it should also shape your speech, what you say and how you say it, and in what ways you say it. And so we're going to be looking at James 3 today, as we've been kind of working through the book of James in our Faith Works series. So if you have a Bible, you can open up to James chapter 3. Um, you can also just watch on the screens along, you can follow along on the screen here. It says this in verse 1, it says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So, First off the bat, James is calling out me, you know, as your pastor, as your teacher. And I'm like, come on, James, give me a break. But I actually think this is a little bit more expansive. Any of you that have an influence over somebody, James is calling you out. If you are a leader, if you are an influencer in your home, if you are an influencer at your job, if being the fact that you are a follower of Jesus, you are by default an influencer, your words have weight to them. Your words have some power to them, have some oomph to them. So he says, don't all, you shouldn't just kind of want to be like, hey, I want to be the one that can have all this influence who can teach, but you should walk in it with wisdom. And that's a challenge for a verbal processor like me. (laughs) Any verbal processors in the room? Yeah, we we, we got work to do, okay? (laughs) But like, but, but this is something we need to be aware of. James goes on, he says this, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. If you're ever wondering, Nathan, what's one way that I can sin 10% less? Do you ever wonder that? Maybe you're like, I'm wondering it now. How do I sin just 10% less? You know what? You know how you do it? You keep your mouth shut. Okay? <laughs> so I got some amens. You, you speak a little less. You listen a little bit more. That will literally cut, for some of you, especially as verbal processors, it'll cut our sinning in half. But literally, like James, like if you can control your tongue, but listen, it's, it's a challenge. It's difficult. And, and, he, and he calls it out, but, but he talks about the power of the tongue. He says this, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships. Go to the next slide. As an example, although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes what? Let's all say this together. Great boasts. So so James is saying here is your tongue, this this little muscle in your mouth, has a huge impact. It has this ability to literally kind of change or direct your life and, and where it goes. He uses the example of a horse. He uses an example of a ship. And then he kind of talks about a negative example of, hey, here's the problem of your tongue. Here's what could happen if, it doesn't, if it's not trained to speak words of life. He goes on and says this, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. 
The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Those are some strong words. But James wants his readers to know, he wants us to know today, 2,000 years later, that your tongue, your words, there's power to them. They literally can really shape everyone. And then he kind of brings this section to a close where he says this. He says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Now, we may be thinking, I think a lot of us like, oh yeah, James is talking about cuss words, right? Like, you know, I don't cuss very often, right? But I think he's actually talking about something bigger than that. I I think he's actually talking about the way we use our words and how we use our words. In fact, if you look a couple verses down, James starts to talk about specifically gossip and slander. We'll talk a little bit more about that last, next week. Basically, when we gossip or we talk about people behind their back in negative ways, when we slander them, when we speak ill, or maybe we hear someone say something about someone and we spread it and, and it's not really true or we don't really know it's true, he says, that's the fire that spreads. That's the spark that can take down an entire forest of redwoods. And he talks about how powerful that our tongues are, able to do that in how we say and what we say about others. He goes on to say in verse 10, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So James says this, uh, your tongue literally has this like dual kind of role. We talked about this, like there's this battle happening. We can speak words of light or darkness, blessing or curse, good or evil, life or death. That's all right here in this little muscle in our mouth. The power of the tongue. I want to look at three implications that James kind of makes in this passage. And if you're taking notes or you're following along in our notes, the first is this. Your tongue has the power to direct the course of your life. Your tongue, your mouth, your words can literally direct the course of where your life goes. In fact, James kind of, you know, what I like about James is he's, very, he's like a visual communicator. He's like, you know, if he was preaching, he would have props. That's kind of what I think of James in this section here. But he goes on, he says this in verse 3, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. I think this is interesting. We have a, a couple folks in our church that go horseback riding, and I was able to get hooked up with one of these things here. This is actually a horse's bit. Take a look at this. This little piece of metal here, you actually kind of put it in the horse's mouth, and with it, you're able to steer a horse. Now, Horses, I looked this up on Google or Wikipedia or whatever it is, they can weigh up to 2,000 pounds, okay? That's a big animal. This huge animal can be steered with this little thing so that a kid that weighs about 70 pounds can get on the back of this animal and basically steer it around like it's not a problem, like it's, it's not an issue, like you're not sitting on this thing that could literally like, you know, freak out and start kicking around. No, 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 like... This kid, 50 pounds, 70 pound kid, can control a 2,000 pound animal. That's crazy to me. But this little thing has that ability. 
Now, maybe some of you are like, Nathan, I don't really do horses or living things. I will never get on one. But that's fair enough, fair enough. James has got another example for you. He says this, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, I've never been on a cruise. Any of you gone on one of those cruises, like Royal Caribbean or Car? Okay, quite a few of you have, right? Literally, this thing is like a floating city. It's huge. It's like got like, you know, several decks. The largest cruise ship can actually fit 7,000 people, okay? That's That's a huge ship. This giant ship that literally can like cross continents, can connect, you know, different parts of land through oceans, but yet it's, it's controlled by a rudder that's maybe 15 feet tall. That's it. That's it. This little thing can control where this giant ship goes. And, and I think that's what Paul or what James is trying to get us. That's why he says here, he says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Our words can literally shape the direction of our lives. Our words not only can shape the direction of our lives, but also of the lives of others. You guys know what it's like to have harsh words spoken over you that have made, maybe caused you self-doubt, maybe have caused you deep hurt and wounding, that's impacted your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and even the way you relate to the world around you. But there's good news about our words because our words aren't intrinsically bad, but we can also use them to bless. The, the example that comes to mind is, is one of a guy named Alfred Noble. How many of you guys have ever heard of Alfred Noble? He come, came up with the Nobel Peace what? The Peace Prize, the Nobel Peace Prize. But one of the things that Alfred Nobel invented was dynamite. He actually invented dynamite as for, for construction. So, you know, if there's like any buildings or any kind of, rather than having to get a shovel and a pickaxe, you'd put some dynamite sticks in there and you'd blow it up, you know, opening a tunnel, things like that. Well, when World War I rolled around, they took his invention that was meant for construction and used it for destruction. They used that dynamite to take lives, not to build anything up. And that's the power that's in our mouths. There's dynamite in your dentures, people. You can speak words that will blow things up in a positive way or a negative way. In fact, some of you, you might need to speak words to some of our city kids. When you're serving in city kids, speaking words of blessing over them, words of kindness over them, because you don't know what homes they're going to go back to. And your words are going to sow seeds that are going to bloom into plants of, uh, of God's goodness and faithfulness and kindness that they may not see in the moment, but one day they'll be able to hold on to. Who is it that God wants you to speak words of life to? Who is it that you need to go back to and maybe take back a word of death from so that you can, again, give life? So that's one of the things that James talks about. The second thing James talks about is this, is that your tongue has the power to damage your life and others. I mean, James uses this really vivid example. He says this, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. So he talks about this, a single flame, a single spark. Think about how much damage it can do. And sometimes that damage is long-lasting. An example that comes to mind for me is a couple years ago, the California wildfires. How many of you guys remember these wildfires that took place in California? It was like one little spark that got picked up by the wind. And all this dry vegetation was like kindling. And literally, you all had this, you had a, literally a mountain of flame coming down. 
Houses, communities, neighborhoods were all consumed by this fire. Fires start small. Little bitty bitty words. But yet the devastation can wreak havoc further than you could even imagine. James knows this. That's why he warns us. He says, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course to one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. What he's saying is that your tongue, just as it can give life and blessing and change the course of people's lives in good ways, it also could be a portal to hell. Your words have that weight have that power to it. What are these words? What, 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 are, what are examples of these hellfire words? It could be speaking words that are critical. Words that literally are speaking down to people, cursing people. Words that cut. Or maybe even words that spin. You kind of take the truth and you kind of spin it in a way where it makes you look good and other people look bad. Or rather than taking responsibility, you speak words of blame. Words of condemnation. Words of judgment. And before you know it, You're in a fire that you can't control. Just ask my friend Jared. Jared was a guy that loved kind of talking big. And eventually his big talk led him to a situation where so much spin and so many lies eventually came back to haunt him. Let's watch this video. You know, living in New York, for me, you know, it was about who I can be when I wanted to be it. I really had no uh, fear of people whatsoever. I was the crazy kid, if you would. I was always confident enough to give a, a solid answer, even if it wasn't the truth. I was really good at manipulation, really good at spinning. My tongue was a tool that I used to get whatever I wanted. I lived lavishly. I, I made a lot of money and I played hard. I lived paycheck to paycheck. I also found myself with a tremendous amount of rage when it came to not having my way, you know, and and thinking that I was better than everybody and slamming the phone down and um, saying things that, you know, I would look back on as regretting. The anger ultimately, you know, would be the downfall of me um, in losing that job. I remember getting a phone call and they said, you know, Jared, because of your actions, both from a perspective of uh, not keeping your mouth shut um, from a professional standpoint, uh, whether it's uh, telling inappropriate jokes or, uh, or just your anger, we're going to have to let you go. And so in that, I lost a phenomenal job, which uh, was a, a very, very tough time for me. You know, it was about seven months after I moved to Dallas, um, I uh, fell into a state of depression. Um, I remember crying myself to sleep several nights. It was the third night uh, I did that. I woke up the following day with this uh, strange desire to find a church which uh, was the first time in my life I've ever felt that. You know, several people I crossed paths with at the church would ask me, hey, where are you from, man? I'd tell them, hey, I'm from New York, I'm from the Bronx. They would say, wow, we love that city. So what did you do there? And I told them, hey, I was a fireman. And I wore firefighter shirts that friends would give me. I wore sweatshirts, I'd go places. I would walk around like I was this ex-firefighter from New York City, that I was this paid hero. Uh, moved all the way down here. So a lot of folks started to welcome me in their circles. I was the cool kid. Uh, Little did I know that that was all about to change. I became really good friends with a local uh, pastor that he uh, came to me with some information that a gentleman had emailed him. Uh, It was a gentleman that I hadn't talked to in probably seven years that had uh, said I was not a fireman. 
it was then that the truth was brought to the light. It was after getting caught, um, I would finally have to confess um, all that was uh, true and all that was false. And it was a few folks that I had met, some good friends that I'd come across that said, you know, Jared, we don't care who you are or where you came from. We love the guy that you are. That's all stuff I never actually heard in my life. And it broke, broke me down. It was the first time that I actually heard somebody say, hey, we love you for who you are and uh, something I never experienced even as a child. And so it was a freeing feeling, but still nonetheless, it was a lot of work ahead of me to try to rebuild a lot of that trust that was lost with people. See, for Jared, he realized the devastation of his tongue. It was a fire, little white lies that he thought wouldn't follow him from one city to another, literally directed his life into a direction that he didn't want to go. That's the power of your words, the power of your tongue. Little white lies, little things we do to spin or to make ourselves look better than we actually are can actually cause more damage. And like Jared said, he's like, I have to rebuild all of that trust because I lied to people. I didn't tell the truth. And even on a deeper level, and this is kind of brings us to the third part that I think James wants to teach us, it's this, is that your tongue reveals a divided heart. Jared, who's going to church and going to Bible study and, and doing all these things, but yet at a deeper level, his heart is divided. And that's what James is really trying to drive us towards, the heart condition. He says this, With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. I mean, how easy it is, right? Faith works in church, so I can come in here, I can put my hands up, and I can worship. God, you are great. God, you are good. I can give fist bumps and high fives to people all around me because, hey, we're in God's house and things are great. But as soon as I walk out that door, as soon as I see people that I'm like, man, I'm judging them. I'm saying things to my spouse. Maybe I'm yelling at my spouse or, or my partner. I'm complaining about my roommate. All of a sudden, it's like, wait, what's going on here? It's... it's how can we say one thing and then all of a sudden do another thing? You see, what happens is it reveals the true condition of our hearts. James is calling out our inconsistency. Because let's be honest, all of us are inconsistent with our words. And he goes on to say this. He says, we got to get to the source. He says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. You see, James is trying to help us remember this, that the source of our words, it's our hearts. Our hearts. And if your words are a little bit salty, it's got a salty source. But if your words are refreshing, there's a refreshing source in fact, Jesus, James's older brother, confirms this when he says in Matthew, the things that come out of a person's mouth come out from where? The, the heart. And these defile them. It's not what we put in. It's what comes out. Guys, your words will drive the direction and the quality of your life. But on a deeper level, it reveals the condition of your heart. If you are a person who's known to speak life, words of blessing, words, even if they're hard words, but they're words of, of love, it shows that your heart is, is vibrant. 
Your walk with Jesus is close and, and it's healthy. But if you are constantly complaining and angry and bitter and all those words pour out, well, then it means that your relationship with God is probably in a rough spot. So what words are coming out of your mouth? What have you noticed come out of your mouth over the past week? Are they words of gratitude? Like, man, God, I am so grateful for, for the house that I have and for my spouse or my partner or for this place we are in life, or is it constant criticism? Like, man, God, I'm, uh, I wish I had a bigger house like so-and-so. Or, man, I, I wish I had a job, or I wish I didn't have a job, or whatever it may be. Are, are we finding ourselves constantly complaining, constantly critical? Or are we speaking words of life and blessing and love and kindness. Because listen, your heart drives your words. Your words drive your life. And that's why this is so crucial. Because God wants us to have a heart that is dedicated to him. And when our heart is right with him, our words are right with others. And we can be agents of blessing and agents of change outside of these walls. And we need to understand this is that you and I cannot change the source of the water that's in our hearts. We can't do that. Only Jesus can. See, before Jesus can give us a word transplant, he's got to give us a heart transplant. He's got to change us from the inside out, which is why this is so important. Becoming aware of your words makes you aware of your heart. If you're wondering, how do I know where I'm at with God? Just listen to what's coming out of your mouth. If you're not sure, ask your friend, ask your spouse. They'll tell you. Because sometimes we let things slide or, or, or come out that we don't intend to. Now, I know for some of us, there's some of us that are here that are watching, you're kind of like still trying to figure out like, how does Jesus fit into your life? You're, you're looking at the claims of Christ. But I know for many of us, we are followers of Jesus. We would say, Nathan, I know that Jesus is Lord of my life. I've given my life to Jesus. But can I ask, you might have given your life to Jesus, but have you given your lips to Jesus? Is he the Lord of your lips? Because what we need to do is, again, if you're recognizing that, man, the words that are coming out of my mouth are not honoring God, they're not honoring other people, it's not something that you can just correct through behavior modification. You just need to say, Jesus, I need your help. Can you change my heart? Can you transform me from the inside out? Can you do a heart transplant? Because what Jesus did on the cross is when he spread his arms on the cross, this is what he said to you. He said, I love you. I forgive you, and I will never forsake you. And Jesus is the only one whose words were perfect. While many of us, we can say things and then do the opposite, we know that Jesus would never do that. See, faith, for faith to work, it's got to work in our lips. It's got to work in our mouth. And we've got to make Jesus the Lord of our lips. That what we say honors him and honors others. Maybe you found yourself this past week as you kind of reflect on your week, man, maybe there's some things that you said behind other people's backs. Or maybe someone else was saying it and you kind of joined in, but you know, you're just in that circle, but you kind of helped fan that flame. You helped the fire continue to burn. Or maybe you said some things even this morning on your way to church that you're like, man, I wish I didn't say that. Well, I have good news. When you say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my lips, you can go back and you can say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I was wrong. 
In 1 John 1.9, we have this promise which says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? If we come clean, if we're honest, and say, man, I should not have said that. As a parent, I feel like I'm constantly doing that. I shouldn't have said that. I was frustrated. I was angry, but I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And just as Christ has forgiven us, we can offer forgiveness for those who spoke against us. And that's the promise from Jesus, is we can have forgiveness. And we have the ability to forgive others. He can change our hearts. And when our hearts are changed, what comes out of our mouths changes. That power we have access to. If you're here today and maybe you're thinking, man, you're looking back at your week and like, man, I should have said some things differently and maybe you need to make some things right with people. I want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. Would you why don't we all stand? Before we go into worship, I just want to invite you to hold out your hands as if you're receiving something because maybe you need to receive a reminder of God's grace. Maybe you're like, you know, Nathan, Jesus is Lord of my life, but uh, my lips have a mind of their own and I need to submit them back to him. And maybe as you think about your week, there's things where you've exaggerated or you've spoke out of line. And I just want you to know that there is forgiveness and there is grace and there is mercy that Jesus wants to offer you. All you need to do is ask. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. And Lord, you, you're in this place and you see your children. And Father, we need you. The problem isn't what we say, the problem is the source of our speech. Father, I pray for those of us that are still holding on to some forgiveness, unforgiveness and bitterness. And so our words are bitter and they're sharp. God, would you soften our hearts to help us forgive so that the water that pours out are words of life words of peace, words of hope, of blessing and not cursing. God, I pray for those who right now are maybe they are the object of sharp speech, words of destruction. God, I pray, Lord, that they would remember what you, say, what you speak over them, that they are your beloved sons and daughters, that you died for them, if they were the only one that needed rescue from their sin, you would have done it again. That you have a plan and a purpose for all of us. That you are not done with us. And so, Holy Spirit, we come before you. Hands open, hearts open, mouths open. Would you transform us from our hearts to our mouths? So that when we go to our neighborhoods and our schools and our workplaces, Lord, we could be agents of transformation because we have been changed, because we have been in the presence of a mighty living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. 
You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.